0: copy of God's Word, please be opening again to Luke chapter 2 as we continue our series that we've called A Simple Christmas. Luke chapter 2 will be there in just a moment. Uh, In his latest devotional magazine, David Jeremiah uh, told about that uh, last Christmas Fox News did a story on the eight worst Christmas gifts that real people actually received. And the article began with a story of a little boy who opened a gift from his grandmother. Uh, He unwrapped a little tin box, the kind that holds gift cards. Have you all seen those when you're out shopping? You have the gift cards. You get little tin boxes that they go in. And so he opened this little gift up with the tin box, but the problem was there was no gift card in it. There was only a, a fake placeholder where the gift card would go that said, place gift card here. Well, the boy looked uh, through the box, but he saw nothing more. Uh, seeing his confusion, the grandmother proudly said, It's a gift card holder. You can put all your gift cards in there. <laughs> when he erupted in laughter, the, the moment turned from awkward to cute. But as far as we know, the little boy never got a gift card to put in his little tin Gift card holder. Now, I read that and I just wanted to find that boy and buy him a gift card to put in his gift card holder. Um, that story is sad to me in so many ways, but you know, I think that's the way a lot of people feel at Christmas time. They're, feel, they're filled with disappointment. They're trying to find happiness and joy and peace and satisfaction. Um, they're trying to find that so called Christmas spirit they talk about in the movies, whatever that is, and nothing. Uh, they go throughout the Christmas season. They're just sitting there staring at their empty gift card holder. You see, what they're looking for cannot be purchased on Amazon. It can't be picked up at the mall. It can't even be wrapped up and placed under a tree. In fact, it cannot even be bought. It is simply, beloved, a gift that can be had if they'll ask for it. You need not be rich and important. Um, in fact, some of the first ones to receive it were neither. They were neither rich nor important in many people's eyes, but their story is simply amazing. And I want you to look with me this morning again to Luke chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 1 and read the first part of the passage and then we'll go into our text for the day. Now, let me caution you again. Uh, Don't let the familiarity of these words, a lot of us, if we grew up in church, we can almost quote this passage from memory or much of it. Don't let the familiarity of it rob you of a blessing this morning. Listen to it as if you've never heard it before. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Your translation may have text. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea Now we come to today's portion. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, Who is Christ the Lord? And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made known, widely known the saying which was told concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this story. Thank You for this wonderful passage of Scripture. Help me, Lord, as I unpack it today to say exactly what you once said, to think the thoughts that you once thought, and Lord, God, my very words and actions to bring glory to you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I looked over this story again as I pondered it, as I read it, for who knows how many times I've read it. 100 times, 500 times. Three lessons came to mind that I want to share with you this morning. The very first one is this. The Lord spoke to these shepherds in the midst of their daily routine. The Lord spoke to these shepherds in the midst of their daily routine. For these shepherds, it was just another night. Another night watching over their flocks out in the field. And I'm sure they never expected in a million years what was about to happen was going to happen. It never even would have crossed their minds that God would send a birth announcement of the Messiah, the long awaited Messiah, uh, to these shepherds, tell them that a Savior is born, the Messiah. And perhaps they were gathered around the fire, maybe they'd done this for maybe most of their life, probably. And they were there that night, laughing and talking, doing whatever it is that shepherds do in the evenings as they're keeping watch over their flock. And in the midst of their ordinary life, the Lord spoke to them. In the midst of their daily routine, the Lord spoke to them, and brought an incredible message to them these angelic messengers said to them that Jesus, the Savior, had been born. And as I pondered that and thought about it, beloved, I wonder how many times do we miss out in life because we're looking for the extraordinary instead of valuing the ordinary. We're looking for the extraordinary, the extraordinary instead of valuing the ordinary. You know, so much of life is mundane. So much of life is the same. Have you noticed that? Get up. Go to work, go to school, come home, do chores, do laundry, do dishes, cook eat supper, shower, go to bed, get up and do it all again the next day, go through the same routine again, do it the next day, the next day, the next day. Oh, and there are Sundays where you go to church and, and hopefully on Wednesdays it's time to go to church again like we've gone a hundred times or five hundred times or a thousand times. And so many live their lives Going through all that, waiting for that escape. Holding out for a week of vacation. Um, thinking like this, if I can just get to that special event, if I can just get to that trip, if I can at least just get to the weekend, if I can get through hump day, it's Wednesday, and, and then it's, if I can just get through Friday, then I'll have some relief. Then I'll have some escape. But beloved, let me ask you. Think about it for a moment. That's a sad way to live, is it not? That's a sad way to live. Now, there's nothing wrong with weekends. Nothing wrong with vacations and special events. We all enjoy them. I think we should look forward to them. And we should value them. But if we only live for them, if we only live our life going through everything, just holding out for the weekend, holding out for that week or two of vacation, holding out for that trip to Disney, holding out for whatever it is that we're waiting for, what a miserable, miserable way to live life. Every day just to go through waiting to get to something better. We miss out on a lot because we don't value the ordinary. We're busy waiting for the extraordinary. Now, listen, much of our time is spent in a normal routine. Very normal. And God cares about the normal routine. In fact, have you ever ponder the thought that um, He created us to have those sorts of routines? Say, what do you mean? Well, every day we have to eat, every day we have to sleep, every day we have to work in some way or fashion and the like. And beloved, we need a Christianity, we need a faith that will work for our normal days of life. We need a faith that will work for us when we have to change what seems like the 500th diaper of that day alone. We need a faith that will work when we've got a nail in the tire again And the tires flat. We need a faith that works when that hospital bill comes and you thought for sure you paid every person that walked in your room and yet there's another bill and you're still not done with it. We need a faith that works when the deadlines are looming, the kids are fighting, and the in-laws are coming. We need a faith that works on those days. Not just on Disney days. Not just days that we go to the beach. Not just lake days. We need need a faith that works on the normal, nitty-gritty days of our life. We need a faith that works when we're out in the fields watching those same dumb old sheep again and again and again. We need to understand something, beloved. This is the day the Lord hath made. And the Bible says we should rejoice... And be glad in it. We need to learn to hear from God on the normal days of our lives. In the midst of our normal daily routines, we need to be filled with His Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to His leading in our lives. We need to fill our minds with the Word of God because, beloved, we need the Lord on those normal days. We need the Lord on those trying days. We think we need a week off. Maybe you do. We think we need a vacation. But really, beloved, the truth of the matter is we might just need to get along with the Lord for a little bit. Furthermore, we sometimes think we need to take off a week from work to do God's work. You know, if we take off a week and go on a mission trip, we really can serve the Lord then. And of course, that is appropriate and I encourage you to do that. But can I just tell you, God wants you to work for Him and serve Him every day. God wants you to do His bidding while you're at work while you're at school, while you're changing diapers, while you're washing the dishes, while you're cleaning the house, while you're serving at church. That's where God's work is to be done. To be the hands and feet of Jesus in those places. Not just some week that we put on our calendar to go on a mission trip, but to say, you know what? This is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to follow Him today. I'm going to labor for Him today. I'm going to serve Him today. I'm going to seek Him today. Think about all the people in the Bible that God called while they were busy doing their normal life, their normal routine. Moses was busy out keeping the flock right and and uh, there appeared a burning bush. Gideon was busy uh, kind of threshing that wheat, hiding, and and God... Uh, spoke to him. Elisha was out plowing, right? When Elijah walked by and and cast his mantle upon him. David was out in the field keeping his flock. Nehemiah was busy serving as the cupbearer when his heart was burdened and he was called to go and help God's people. You have Amos. You have the apostles, uh, those who were fishermen. And Jesus walked by and called them. You have Saul of Tarsus even. Saul of Tarsus was busy when God was calling. He was busy doing the wrong thing. He was on his way to persecute uh, believers and God stopped him in his tracks and, and blinded him and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? In the midst of busy routine, the busy life, God called so many. Someone has observed that it's, it's hard to steer a car that's in Neutral. And God doesn't usually guide a believer who's taking it easy. It's those who are in motion, those who are busy doing what God has called them to do. And by the way, part of your calling is that normal life, being a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, a grandma, grandpa, whatever it is God has called you to do, whatever position he's placed you in, you're to be God's man and God's woman doing God's bidding in that place. And look for God to speak to you in the normal routine of life. These men here in this passage, these shepherds, they were at their post. They were watching their sheep. And God blessed them. God blessed them. Let me ask you, what is it that God wants you to learn right now in your life, in the normal routine of your life? Are you listening to Him? Are you reading His Word, allowing Him to speak to you? Are you talking to Him through prayer? I find it so wonderful here to see that God sends this birth announcement, the greatest birth announcement ever, to some shepherds keeping their flock out in that field that night. And he says, I've got good news. A Savior has been born. And by the way, the Lord calls us many times we're busy, but just don't be too busy to answer. Don't be too busy to answer. Well, there's another lesson I want to give you this morning. And I love this lesson as well. It really spoke to my heart. And that is, I want you to notice, beloved, these shepherds, they dropped everything to run to Jesus. They dropped everything to run to Jesus. Look back in the passage beginning at verse 15 this time. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. Now notice verse 16. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I was struck with that word haste in verse 16. And when I looked at it in the original Greek, you know what it means? It says in the original Greek, here's what it said. It said it meant they went 80 in a 55 mile per hour zone. Now, that's not what it said in the original Greek, but that's what it means. They went 80 in a 55 zone. It means to literally, in all seriousness, it means to hurry to hasten, to do quickly, to act or move at a high speed. So I told you it's what it means. It means to do eighty and a fifty-five. They didn't casually stroll to, to Bethlehem. It says they moved with haste. Let us now go. They moved on out. They dropped everything to run to Jesus. So, preacher, what to do with the sheep? I don't know what to do with the sheep. I imagine they probably maybe thought, well, if angels appear to us and instruct us to go and find the baby, God will take care of the sheep. I don't know what they did with the sheep. I don't care what they did with the sheep. They were going to see Jesus. And they ran with haste. They dropped everything to run to Jesus. Can I just say, we need to do that more. We need to drop everything to run to. To Jesus. We talked about busyness a moment ago. That God will often call those that are busy, but we can be too busy, mind you. You remember that lesson the Lord Jesus was there in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You remember Martha was quite the entertainer. She's still on TV, her last name's Stuart now. But anyway, Martha was there and she was busy, you know, cooking the meals and doing those things. And where was Mary? Do you remember where Mary was? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha was pretty upset about that. And even said, Lord, why don't you tell her to get up and help me? You remember that the Lord kind of very lovingly and kindly told Martha that one thing was needed. You're busy. You're doing all these things. One thing is needed. Mary's chosen the right thing. Sitting at my feet and learning of me. You see, sometimes we forget what's really valuable. We get like what uh, a, a piece I ran across this past week that Wilbur Rees wrote. He said, I'd like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or, or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. And I'm afraid there are too many people that want to buy just that much. Just that much. Just enough to make me feel good. But not enough to let Him have my life, my all. You know, we talked about earlier those who... Cannot find what they're looking for at Christmas time, or really at any time for that matter. And the reason they can't find it is because they're looking in the wrong place. They're trying to find it in position or power or money or sex or drugs or all sorts of things. But they can't find it. In fact, I couldn't help but think about C.S. Lewis' words. He said, It would seem that our Lord. Times our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And I think he's right. You see, beloved, true meaning and satisfaction are only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these shepherds, they dropped everything and they ran to Jesus. And they found the Savior that night. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, he was lying in a manger. And as they looked at that scene that night, and as they realized the message they had been told, that behold, a Savior had been born, their lives were never, ever the same. You see, beloved, that baby that was lying in that manger would not remain in that manger. As perfect God and perfect man joined together forever, He would grow just as we grow. He would become a man but the interesting thing is, as the God man, he never sinned. The Bible says he was tempted in all points. Well, I guess we are yet without sin. And he never sinned. He was perfect. He went about ministering and doing good and, and sharing the message of God as God. And then he voluntarily gave himself to be whipped and beaten and brutalized and. Placed upon that cross. He shed his precious blood. He died, taking upon himself our sin. But he's no longer on the cross. They took him from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But, beloved, he's no longer in a tomb. We sang about it a moment ago. Death could not hold him. There's victory, he's alive forevermore. And beloved, the Bible very clearly says that if someone will recognize that they are a sinner and turn from their sin and trust Jesus Christ alone, they will have eternal life. Their sin will be forgiven. They'll be given a home in heaven, made an heir and join heir with the Lord Jesus Christ and made a child of God. And you see, beloved, that's what people are searching for. That's why they can't get the satisfaction and the peace and the joy and the meaning in life because they're looking in all the wrong places. You see, the one they're looking for is not a thing. It's a person. The Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to Christ, may I encourage you on this Christmas season Sunday to turn from your sin. And place your faith in Jesus Christ. Do what they did. Come with haste. Hurry! And turn your life over to Christ. And Christ alone. But this lesson is not just for those who do not know the Savior. I think there's a lesson here for those of us who do. Because I know I'm speaking to many who say, well, preacher, I've already done that. I know I'm a child of God. I know I'm saved. But you know what? I think the lesson for us here is we too... Need to stop and drop everything more often and run to Jesus. Run to Him! And I think that's especially true at Christmas time. You know why? Because we talked about it earlier, even in an earlier message. We're so busy. There's programs and cookies to bake and gifts to wrap and cards to address and parties to attend and family gatherings and family functions. And in the midst of all that's going on, we can miss the reason why we're celebrating in the first place. We need to drop everything and just run to Jesus. Even if just for a short time. And just sit at His feet. Let me ask you, when's the last time you did that? When's the last time you said, you know what? I'm leaving everything. we just this time. Set the phone aside. Leave the phone aside. Turn off the noise. Turn off the TV and just come and worship the one who is worthy of worship. Well, we've only got a little bit of time left. We better hurry. Talking about busyness, right? we got to hurry. It's almost noon. The Lord spoke to them in the midst of their daily routine. They dropped everything to run to Jesus. There's a third lesson here and we just touch upon it. Did you notice, beloved, that they worship God and witness to others? Look at verses 17 through 20. Now when they had seen Him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things upon them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, watch it, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Now, it's interesting to note that their response went in two directions. It went upward and it went outward. Put another way, it went vertical and it went horizontal. Verse 20 says they worshiped God. They praised God for all they'd seen and heard and all that was told to them. And if you're wondering, what is the proper response to the birth of Christ? What is the proper response to the Christmas time? Here it is. Worship. It's all about worship. It's all about Him. That's what we're doing at all the programs and the services. We're seeking to worship the Lord Jesus. But they didn't stop with worship. They also witnessed. They told others. It says in verse 17, they made widely known the saying which was told them. See, these shepherds became missionaries. They became missionaries. In fact, we could say it this way. They went and saw so that they could go and tell. They went and saw so they could go and tell. And Christian, that's our job too. We're to go and tell others the good news that Jesus saves. Think about it. When's the last time you told somebody? It's the perfect time to do it. Merry Christmas. Perfect time to talk about. You know what Christmas is all about? It's about the birth of Jesus. We need to go and tell others. Well, I made it close with a story about a man named Nahum Tate. Now, Nahum Tate, he was born into the home of an Irish Puritan pastor in 1652. In fact, there's a picture. of. He's a good-looking guy, isn't (laughs) he? Nahum Tate. 1652. He was born. He studied at Trinity College and and he traveled to London and became a a writer and a playwright. Uh, And it required hard work, but in 1692, he was named Poet uh, Laureate of the United Kingdom. They they don't just hand that out, you've got to work hard for that. But sadly, Nahum Tate was not very good at handling money, he was always on the verge of uh, bankruptcy. And sadly, he died in an institution for debtors in 1715. But that's not the end of Tate and his story. You see, though he was poor and died of the debtor's institution, he left behind a very rich legacy. You see, he was studying the very passage that we've been looking at today. And he wrote a poem about it. And his poem, it became a carol. Perhaps you may remember the carol that Nahum Tate wrote. The words are familiar. It goes like this, While shepherds watched their flocks by night, all seated on the ground, the angel of the Lord came down, and glory shone around. And as I was reading Nahum Tate's uh, story there, the author who was relating it pointed out something very interesting. He said, Just like Tate, These shepherds we've been reading about here today, they were among the poorest of the land. We know from our previous studies in days gone by that they were not very highly regarded or thought of either. But look at the legacy they left. You see, our leverage in legacy, beloved, doesn't depend on silver or gold or fame or fortune, but on the joy of passing on this important, glorious Story and message. The greatest one in history. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you know Him today? If not, come to Him in repentance and faith. And if you do know Him, will you take these lessons to heart? Will you allow Him to speak to you in the midst of your daily routine? Will you at times drop everything just to run to Jesus? And will you make sure that you're worshiping and witnessing for Him. You know, the great thing, beloved, is when you do drop everything to run to Jesus, He's waiting for you. You'll never find a busy signal. He'll never put you on hold. He'll wrap you in His loving arms and hold you close to His heart. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank You for these shepherds. What a joy it will be to sit down and talk with them one day and to hear all the details of what happened on that glorious night. Lord, I pray if anybody here does not know Jesus Christ, convict them and convert them this very moment. Bring them to trust Christ and Christ alone. And then, Lord, for those of us who are your children, speak to our hearts right now. May your Holy Spirit do His work in our lives and may we be responsive and submissive to His leading. Blessed is this invitation, I pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I thought an appropriate closing hymn. And by the way, as we sing, I'll be down at the front and you need prayer today, you need to be saved today, you need help, or you just want to come and pray on your own, we would invite you to do that. We're going to sing that Song that Nahum Tate wrote while shepherds watched their flocks. 203 is that number in your hymnal. The altar's open. You come today, drop everything, and run to Jesus. He's waiting for you. 203, let's stand together and sing.